Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. And man, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who's listening to the show. If you guys are listening to this uh, program live or pre-recorded, we're listening to it right here on Black Friday. And I'm not at work because I'm shopping. I'm buying TVs for $99 and uh, an air fryer, which my wife wants. Shh, don't tell her. I'm going to get her one for Christmas only because it's going to benefit the whole house. We all love air frying food. It's fantastic. Uh, but you guys, we've got a great show for you today right here on Finding Your Frequency on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. You're listening to the Variety Channel. And, uh, you know, we've been doing quite a few different shows around leadership and some important components of leadership. Uh, we talked to Omar Harris a couple of weeks ago about servant leadership and what that means to, you know, to be a, a servant uh, and a leader at the same time, because we all know, uh, you know, you got to you got to serve. I mean, I think it doesn't matter whether you're a leader, you're starting a business, you're an entrepreneur, um, you're never going to get anything out of life if you don't have some kind of service. You've got to you've got to give up something to get a little something. Uh, so that's some advice that I'm going to throw at you. We got couple of great guests for you guys today. I mean, like super good guests, okay? Uh, Karen Hurt, David Dye, these guys, they help leaders achieve breakthrough results without losing their soul. Nobody wants to lose their soul, especially right now. We've already been going through way too much in 2020. Let's keep that soul. They're the founders of Let's Grow Leaders, an international leadership development and training firm, and award-winning authors of Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. Oh, who doesn't like customer advocates? And Winning Well, a manager's guy to getting results without losing your soul. Karen is a top leadership consultant and CEO of Let's Grow Leaders, a former Verizon wireless executive uh, who's named to Inc. Magazine's list of great leadership speakers. And David, former executive, elected official, and president of Let's Grow Leaders. Karen and David are committed to their philanthropic initiative, Winning Wells, where they're bringing clean well water to the people of Cambodia. Wow, what an awesome thing to do. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you guys for jumping on too. I know uh, I, I was online earlier today looking at your guys' schedule of events and like where you're going to be over the next couple of months. And I was like, man, these guys are busy, which is good because got to stay busy, got to gotta get the word out, especially if, you know, you're authors and, you know, uh, and, and public speakers. It's all, always important to stay, you know, in front of the, in front of the masses because uh, it's all too easy nowadays uh, for people to kind of forget who you are and you dwindle off, uh, you know, when everybody's stuck at home, right? And their whole reality is You know, it's different. been very interesting <laughs> in this pivot to working from home. We're busier than ever with programs. So, you know, people yeah. need leadership development right now. And there is a real thirst and a real understanding of how important that is to support your teams. Yeah. Yeah, coming into the Thanksgiving holiday here, we have been at our peak frequency in terms of the most <laughs> leadership development programs we've ever done in this stretch of time. So, 
you know, we're obviously grateful for that, but we're encouraged to see so many businesses and leaders taking that leadership development seriously and recognizing the importance for their people. Yeah, I mean, you 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 can't uh, you can't really make goals or accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in business if you don't have goals and leadership to be able to lead the people to those goals. So, um, I think now too with the kind of the the sphere of 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 uh, things that have been happening in the country and around the globe, pandemic, elections, all of this kind of stuff, you know, just looking at, you know, the, the sheer space that we're all sitting in right now, I feel like leadership is of utmost importance right now, even more than it was, you know, a week ago. Um, extremely important. Why don't, why don't you guys kind of yeah. tell us a little bit about yourselves? I think that we'll set the tone for the interview uh, based on that, because, you know, for us at Finding a Frequency, we always want to hear that story, that journey, you know, where was that aha moment, right? Where you're like, I don't want to be a Verizon executive anymore. And David's like, I'm done being elected <laughs> official and being an executive and doing this. And, you know, what, where was that? What was that story? And what was that time where you guys had that like aha moment of, you know, I have something to say. Um, I need to, you know, step outside of my comfort zone and, and go find my frequency. Yeah, so for me, so I had 20 years at Verizon. The first decade was human resources, leadership development, organizational development, training, all those things, merger integration. Second decade was a variety of field assignments. So I led a 2,200-person sales team, a 10,000-person customer service organization. And there was a moment. <laughs> there was a moment where I was actually flying around on the corporate jet, which was a super big deal for me. You know, and uh, I was with my boss's boss. And there was a, a moment where there was some leadership behavior that I would describe as toxic. Something that I just said, oh, nobody, nobody should act that way. We can get these breakthrough results. We had been getting breakthrough results and it didn't need to be that way. And I thought, and I was you know, in succession planning to continue to grow and I'm like, gosh, if, if that's what, you know, if that, if that behavior is what they're grooming me for, I don't want it. But what I did there in that moment was not quit, but I went back into the back of that jet and I wrote down all my leadership values and how I believed you could get great results without losing your soul. And that Sunday, I started a leadership blog where I began sharing stories and practical tools and, you know, never using the words of, you know, never saying where I worked, you know, just created this thing, let's grow leaders and uh, just started telling the stories. And what I did not expect is I thought, you know, well, my team will watch it. Maybe some of these people, the outsourced call centers that I am supporting will, will, will read it, but it got an international following because apparently I'm not the only one who thinks you need to get break with the results without losing your soul, right? And so um, I started getting asked to speak, to do consulting. Hey, when are you gonna write your book? I'm like, whoa, 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 no, I have this day job, right? I have this day job and I really didn't intend to quit. But then I thought, oh, that sounds really cool. What if I did do that for a living? And so I gave Verizon a bunch of notice, uh, four months notice, and I built a transition plan. And I went out and started Let's Grow Leaders. So that's my part of the story. And I'll show you, David will share where he comes in. Nice. I love the title of this show, you know, find, Finding Your Frequency. And for me, that's a frequency I first tapped into very young. I think I was 11 years old when I first started exploring these notions of leadership and how you bring people together. And I was horrible at it. I mean, I locked all my brothers and sisters in the basement in order to 
you know, get the house clean, that kind of thing, horrible leadership. But as I had my career in education and human service and did the elected official thing and all of that influence-based leadership, uh, you know, you start learning what works. And I would consume anything I could looking for answers of how do you do this well, same mission of how do you lead with people in view and get the results you need and feel good about yourself when you go to sleep that night and not sacrifice your humanity. And, you know, you can see leaders who do that. But the, you know, that moment for me that you're talking about was in the work I was doing as an executive at that point, I was replicating organizations around the country. And a lot of that had uh, coaching and mentoring development components for it for senior leaders in those new organizations. And I had been doing all that locally and then I'm now doing it nationally and it got to be too much. I couldn't meet with people any longer to do it at the volume I needed to do it. So I started writing and similar to Karen, I started a blog. And I started the blog for internal reasons to say, okay, here are the things I wanna make sure and pass on and, and equip you with. And you know, and that took off and spread. And that's actually the way that I met Karen. Karen and I met online. and. I like to say, you know, it's it's not that I was swiping left or right. I mean, I would have swiped whatever the right direction. I don't actually know which is the correct direction to swipe. It's a good answer, David. We it's met a great online answer. through leadership. Writing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, a true answer. I, I honestly don't know, but we uh, we met through the leadership writing, and there was a, a time where I was reading an HR publication and came across an article that I thought I had written, and I'm reading it going, gosh, I don't remember submitting this to this publication. It's cool. They picked it up. Well, I get to the very end and the final paragraph had a, a different flavor than what I would have written. And I went, oh, this isn't mine. This is Karen Hurt. Oh, okay. I know of Karen through, you know, leadership writing circles. And uh, so I called and said, hey, listen, we are super aligned. Like I could have written the first seven eighths of this thing. We should collaborate on something someday. And uh, and I can tell you're getting ready to head out anyway. And Karen says, wait, what? I I haven't said that, have I? I said, oh no, your writing's just getting edgier. I can tell you're, you're, you know, that you're. I was six months ahead. I finally had this. My moment was as I was looking at all of these uh, of my own performance evaluations over the years, and I saw this for 16 years. I had the same comment, some version of the same comment with regard to what do you enjoy most about your work. And for me, it was always the people development side of things, helping people become that best version of themselves, and. And I had been doing that in a leadership and management context for so many years. It was one of those moments where the universe strikes the gong, you find your frequency, and it's like, I need to do that. That's the work I should be doing. And so I started my own business to do that. And then, yeah, so we decided to uh, write a book together uh, because we pretty much were writing the same book. And uh, we wrote the whole book while David was living in Colorado. I was living in Maryland. Uh, it wasn't until after the book was published that we realized we had fallen in love. So we merged our businesses together, got married, and then are now on this mission uh, to help people around the world uh, with very practical tools and techniques. Wow, what a great story. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about this great shaving product that I've been using lately. Not only is it awesome, it will save you money. Enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Harry's is an awesome product. It delivers high quality razor blades as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of leading brands and saving you hundreds of dollars at the same time. 
I really like the way that Harry's works. It has a very close shave. It's got a great design for the handle and also the scent of the shave gel is fantastic and it leaves your skin nice and smooth. You can get a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com forward slash frequency. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. They've cut out middlemen manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. I'm telling you, I use this product and it is absolutely amazing. Harry's has all your grooming needs covered in just one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Again, visit harrys.com forward slash frequency. I want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to go check it out. You can feel better too about the purchase because 1% of their proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations developed to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. How could you not get behind the veterans? So important nowadays. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. I use it every day. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And I'm telling you, when you get done shaving, your face will feel so smooth. It's amazing. You even get a travel blade cover to keep your razors dry and easy to grab on the go. So make sure you go to harrys.com dot com forward slash frequency to start shaving and saving today. Like, what are the chances, right? You guys are both kind of like I know you said you were maybe six months apart or whatever, but you know what are what are the chances that you know two individuals uh, doing something similar can come together and be one? I mean, that's 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 a relationship right there. Congratulations, uh, you guys got to get this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it, it, we, it, you know, when we talk about remote leadership and remote teamwork, we're big believers in that because we wrote that first book remotely. We became best friends remotely. And then eventually, you know, that led to, you know, obviously the romantic relationship, but yeah. so much of that happened remotely that we know it's possible. No, that's awesome. I, I, I remember the saying my mom used to tell me all the time about relationships. She used to say, you know, if a man and a woman can, you know, uh, can each kind of do their own thing and by doing their own thing, still come together and have a relationship. Like that's what, you know, a true relationship really is because um, it's not one person being codependent on the other or anything like that. It's, it's two people living with in their strengths and their own values and their own uh, on their own path, but being able to walk that path together, even though, you know, it might be a separate path. They're just, they're right next to each other. <laughs> so that's awesome. So uh, I think earlier, uh, you know, Karen, you were talking about uh, walking into the back of the airplane and, and writing down your, uh, your leadership values. Um, I think that's a really important thing for um, executive level leaders to understand. Um, I think it's important for them to understand that, A, for themselves, um, but also as they're mentoring and bringing new people up through middle management um, to to manage other components of business. Um, what would you say are some of those key leadership values or uh, uh, things that cause a great deal of high frequency leadership um, in order for people to kind of understand like, you know, hey, does this does this person exhibit those values? Um, and am I exhibiting the proper values as a leader? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I will tell you the one that seems to be really um, impacting folks right now is how authentic are you? Are you showing up real? 
And particularly in a remote environment, in a pandemic, when there's so much stress and uncertainty, we are finding that the senior executives who are showing up and being very real and saying, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I'm struggling too. And what I do know is I believe in the strategic direction. I believe in where we're headed as a company. I believe in this team. Let's figure this out together. Yeah. That is, that's who's winning right now. Uh, the ones who are, you know, putting on, I, I, this is no big deal. I, you know, we've got this and are not tapping, being authentic or tapping in and letting their people be authentic yeah. are the ones that are really struggling and losing the trust and connection with their teams. Karen, I had to so do that last week. That's one where I would start, particularly now. I had to do that last week, Karen. I was telling you my little story with the, you know, having to go get COVID testing, right? And so I, I get on the phone the morning that it happens. I call my team and I'm like, hey, listen, I can't come to the office right now. I got a little COVID scare going on. My neighbor maybe had COVID. I don't know. We got to go get test results and figure all that stuff out, you know? And um, I said, I'll call you back later on today once I know a little bit more because right now I know nothing. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing with my kid right now. So, you know, let's uh, I'll call you back later. Do you guys need anything from me right now or are you guys able to you know do what you need to do? And they're like, no, we're good. Go take care of it. Great. So then later on in this after the afternoon, I get a phone call from one of my employees and he's like, hey, what's going on? I, I found out that uh, you might have the COVID. Uh, I'm, I'm like, I, I went and saw my parents last night. You know, he's like kind of freaking out. And he's like, so what's the plan? And I literally had to tell him, I was like, I don't know what the plan is yet. Never dealt with this before. I've been at this company for almost 18 years, never dealt with this. So uh, just understand that I have your guys' best interests at heart and we're gonna do whatever we need to do to make sure that A, you guys are safe and the company still moves forward because that's what we need to do. I said, so I understand that you want more information, but I don't have it for you right now. So just hang out and mm -hmm. at the latest, I'll, I'll let you know by in the morning because it's hadn't even been 24 hours you know, since how that happened. And I got off the phone and I went, oh man, did I sound like I don't know what I'm doing? Did I, I started questioning myself. But then I talked to my wife and my wife was like, yeah, but you don't know what we're doing. She's like, we're still trying to figure this out. So like, <laughs> you know, and, and right. so I was like, so, oh, I was truthful and honest and upfront. Uh, and, and so it was, it was really cool. Cause it was like my wife who she's, she's, she does HR for a living too. So it was like, you know, she, she pats me on the shoulder and she's like, it's okay. You did the right thing. Um, but no, I think that's, that's very good, very good advice. The other thing that you were, in addition to being truthful, the other thing that you were doing in terms of looking at the future was you said, when I know, you'll know. And so that clarity is also part of the equation because to just throw up your hands and say, oh, I don't know. Well, that would not be reassuring, but to be no. reassuring and saying, when, when I do know, this is a fluid situation, when I know and we have the plan, you'll be the first to know, you know that gives everybody confidence. Yeah, I just have to go out and thank good old Uncle Sam in the Navy for that one because um, that's where a lot of my leadership stuff came from was, you know, being yelled at, um, and then and then also understanding that being yelled at doesn't work uh, if you're if you're trying to motivate people to do stuff. Um, except for in the military, they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna yell at you, and if you don't do it, we're gonna throw you in jail, right? And so like, there's a whole different kind of level of uh, you know integration that's happening at that level. But um, you know, that is definitely something that I learned, like staying calm and, and cool-headed and, and, and making sure that you, you know, you, you give away information that's informative, but at the same time, like, you can't show to your people like you're flustered either, you know? As much as I was totally flustered because I, I felt like I don't know what to say, I don't know exactly what to do. Um, <clears throat> we're a small company. We have like maybe 17 or 18 employees. So, um, you know, when all this whole pandemic stuff, it was like, 
oh, this is going to be an easy situation to solve. 95% of you guys can all go work from home and there'll be four people here at the studio running radio shows and doing what we need to do. And, um, yeah, I was just like, okay, well, we didn't really think of this scenario. And it happened to be on a day where I was supposed to cover for someone because somebody else was on vacation, right? And so now we're one guy down on vacation, me out, um, and the other team was just like, hey, we got it, we'll take care of it. And I was super proud of uh, of the team for you know not you know not getting upset, not getting angry, just understanding, hey, it is what it is. We all got something that we want to do. The ultimate result is uh, the ultimate game is you know like you guys have in your book is um, you got to have advocates of your business, and you can't have advocates of your business if you don't have people in place to do the jobs that need to be done. And um, I was real happy that those guys just said, you know what, we know we know where we need to go. We know what we need to do. The ultimate goal is, and everybody just executed. So, kudos to the team. <laughs> Good. Gotta love that. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you guys are doing coaching and, you know, speaking to, uh, you know, people and businesses and, and such, and you guys are donating so much of, I wouldn't say donating, probably the wrong terminology, but um, you're you're using a lot of your time um, to, to travel, to be part of online events, to be part of all of these different organizations and helping them out. Um, when helping people find themselves, how do you make sure that you guys don't lose yourselves? How do you make sure to keep within, you know, that space where you're not being, you know, and we, I talked about this with Omar and we're talking about servant leadership. I said, at what point do you become where you're serving too much? You're over serving, right? Uh, how, do, how do you keep that in, in check? What's the check and balances for that? You know, it's a really interesting question and it's a very timely question because, uh, we, you know, we went through the, this very fast pivot from moving all of our programs that had been, we've been traveling most of 90%, you know, a year ago, 90% of our programs were in person and they were international. So we were traveling a lot and then boom, everything is virtual. And uh, so that required a major pivot in technology in, every, in everything, right? And so we, first we had sort of the emergency of the pivot and then we, from there, found that because Courageous Cultures came out and it was so timely in terms of the kinds of tools that people are yearning for right now, yeah. in addition to our current clients who we'd all pivoted to live online, we had all these new folks calling. So Amazon called and Microsoft called. And so really great, wonderful clients and building new programs for them and needing them to go exactly right and figuring out their cultures and how could we add the most value. So. We have had the busiest time possible. And so we it's it's a question that we're really having is how do we scale the business at the same time and not lose lose be working in all the time? Yeah. And and so yeah. I think that's part of it is is grounding in what do you do really well? Who else do you need to bring on board? And so that's really the conversation we've needed to have. What is the work that only we can do? You know, the the strategy, the writing, the tools the delivery of some some at some level of the programs and then who else can we bring on to support mm -hmm. in in you know the marketing efforts the um, the social media efforts you know some of that because we were trying to do it all ourselves and that was getting to be too much you know and I, I think it's an important question uh, both for the reason behind it as well as on the, the application execution side be, the reason side you know, as we are working with leaders to help them navigate their own life and be, you know, a confident, healthy leader for, for their people, we have to be that ourselves. And there have been times over the last six months where, you know, I've written an article about how to do that 
and they had to really take a hard look at myself and go, you know, am I living what it is I'm recommending other people do here? And to have that alignment is vital. And so to Karen's point, some of that is, are, is the systems. And I think even before the systems, you have to decide for yourself as an entrepreneur, if, if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, what is what does success look like for you? And there's nobody that can tell you what that is. There are so many different definitions. And then building those systems and doing the things that align with that and, and having a really honest look at what gets in the way or is what's getting in the way that you're reluctant to take a risk is what's getting in the way that you're reluctant to give something up that has made you feel good about yourself. Uh, I've had, I've certainly had that. I'll raise my hand on that one is what's getting in the way fear. You know, there are a number of things that can get in the way. Sometimes it's doing work that isn't as shiny or fun, but needs to be done. And so, you know, where is that that's going to do that for you? And then at the individual level, I know to, to answer your question as directly as I can, it's, you know, for me, it's been getting up a little bit earlier in the morning. Karen's done her own version of this as well and and doing the meditation and trying to keep up with the exercise and, and the walks in the park and nature and all those kinds of things that are, yeah. while mundane in their, 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 you know, normalcy, they're essential in order to do that. So multiple answers to that question. Yeah, and I well, I, I'm glad you gave multiple answers because it's uh, I don't think it's a question that you can you can just answer with one one answer. It's it's got a bunch of stuff. I, I do martial arts, and so um, you know I'm I'm in the same in the same boat. I still you know I still every day when I wake up and my alarm goes off, I still go, oh man, I could just get a little bit more sleep, just a little bit. But I know that if I don't get up and I don't push myself and I don't practice and I don't do, you know, sit-ups and push-ups and, you know, the things that are needed in order to train properly for karate, um, this is not going to work. You're not going to move any farther. Um, and so like how, how you talk about meditation, uh, you know, when I do kata and forms and do those types of things in the morning, that is, that's my time of self-reflection. And uh, it, it is very, very needed. And on top of that is, you know, just, I have a seven-year-old, so family time, as much seven-year-old time as I possibly can you know, on the weekend. I don't care what you're doing. If your seven-year-old says, daddy, I want to paint your fingernails, you stop what you're doing and you let her paint your fingernails. Just do it. Play tea party, tra- put on a dress. Who cares? She's seven. <laughs> so that, that that's something that I've kind of found that's helped me over the last, you know, eight or so months with, you know, pandemic stuff and everybody being crammed together. My wife's still at home working and I, you know, it's been weird. She, she, she went home. I kept doing the same thing, commuting back and forth to work. And uh, with all of those different changes comes a change in routine and, you know, a lot of those different things. So I think that was very helpful for what you guys said, because uh, you got, you got to, you got to take that time. Keep painting those fingernails. I love it. (laughs) You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. 
Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right. It's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. Oh, yeah. You should have seen my, my team of audio engineers a couple of weeks ago. I came in with you know, pink fingernails with glitter in them. And they're like, oh, you had a fun weekend. I'm like, I did. It was, it was awesome. And, and then we went skateboarding and then we, then we played volleyball and yeah, it was just all, all good times. I'm, I'm one of those parents where I'm just like, whatever you want to do, you can do it. I don't I don't even care what it is. As long as you don't give up. If you say you're going to go do something, you want to go play volleyball, then you're playing the whole season. You're not going to go play two games and then quit. Uh, and so we, we've, we've got the opportunity to play so many fun, so many fun games. And um, I think that whole parenting thing too, is kind of a, uh, a big stretch on your leadership skills, right? Uh, oh yeah. It, it, it stretches them farther than anything that I've ever dealt with in actual workplace environment. I can tell you that right now. Yeah. And you will, and it, and you, it's will be some of the most satisfying work that you do. I think to show, to demonstrate your leadership. It was really interesting. We were doing, my older son is uh, 25 and recently gotten married Congrats. and I forget we were playing some game and, his wife had to say what she appreciated most about my son. I thought, well, this will be interesting. And she said, I think it's his leadership. And I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> my work here is done. You know? And it just, you know, because they're picking up what you're putting down. And I'm really was that that made me feel really good. So not only are you being a good leader, but you're teaching your children how to be good leaders along the way. Yeah, I mean, if there if there isn't anything that I I do before I die, it's like I got to make sure that the my offspring have uh, they're well adjusted human beings and can go off and go do their own thing. You know, especially being a, a, a I don't I don't want to say an only child because I have another I have another son I have an older son who's twenty three um, who who lives in Missouri he's married but and for her sake she didn't grow up with a with a you know with anybody and she doesn't have any brothers or sisters and so it's like. All right. Well, you got to learn how to cook and clean and fight and and you know because we do karate, right? You got you know got you're going to learn all this stuff because when you leave my house, you got to be prepared to live a life that you can just rely on yourself for support, right? And uh, and then the, we did parent teacher conferences the last week or two weeks ago, and she's like, "Hey, um, Marley doesn't let anybody else answer any questions." And I'm like, what do you mean? Every time we ask a question, she'll always raise her hand in the air. And she's like, got to be the first one. She's like, she's a little bit bossy. And I told the teacher, I said, she's seven. I, I, you call it bossy. I call it early leadership skills. Um, and so we had a nice little chuckle about that. But um, no, I mean, being a leader isn't just being a leader in business. It's being a leader all the time. It's being a leader when nobody's looking and doing the right thing and making sure that you're pointing yourself, your family and, and your business in the right direction. Yep. So let's Without a doubt, you know, and you, you had mentioned earlier uh, about the, the need for that kind of leadership in the 
state we're in. And, you know, the, the reality is we spend more time working with any other than any other human being in our life, right? We're at work and we see those people more than we see our family. And so what is the culture that we're building there? Um, what is the way that we're interacting? How are we solving problems together? All of that is vital for the business, absolutely, but much, you know, it has application in all of life. Yeah, 100%. So um, let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about, uh, you guys have so many books that you have. I mean, like, how, how many total books between the two of you do you guys have? Five, five between us. Wow. Oh, and a children's book. Is that the Glowstone Peak? Speaking of seven years old, it's it's actually written for a seven year old. Yeah, if you so send we'll us to... your address, I'll send you a copy. Get it's called copy. Glowstone Peak, and it's yeah. a story of courage, influence, and hope. And it has a, a a female heroine, so I think it'd be perfect for your daughter. Oh, wonderful, so. wonderful. We I, I did an interview a couple of uh, actually now it's been like a year. Um, so this woman's name is Rena Patel, uh, and she's an early childhood uh, educator. And uh, she had this book that uh, she sent to my daughter. I love it when people send my kid books because we love to read. Um, and and it was called it was called Winnie and Her Worries, uh, and it was all about the anxiety and the different things that kids deal with as they grow up and. Um, this pandemic hit and I pulled that book out. I was like, Marley, let's take a look at this again. Winnie and her worries because, you know, she's worried about I got my friends and this, that, and the other. Anyways, I just, I, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Uh, definitely love, uh, love, love reading to the kiddo. And then you guys got the, the seven things your team needs to hear you say, uh, David, what, what, what is that book uh, about? Just paraphrasing for, <laughs> for a minute or so. Sure. Very quickly, it was, uh, you know, when you want to be as practical as you can, leaders are hard pressed, don't have a lot of time. So what are the phrases and that people need to hear you say as a leader? And, and then what do those represent? Right? So you say things like, hey, try it. Give that a try. Right? Well, that communicates a whole lot of things to your people, like your belief in them, your confidence in them that you've maintained a safe playing field and how to go about it. Uh, you know, that's not going to happen here. You know, and then that's the accountability side of things and where you draw the lines and how you're, you know, holding people accountable for how they're treating one another and the results you're getting and, and so on. So it's just a very practical, short paperback way to think about some of the things you want to be saying and doing as a leader. Get back, so to, our latest get back to work is probably okay. not one of those, right? Get back to it. <laughs> no. So our latest book that just came out this summer is called Courageous Cultures, How to Build Teams of Micro-Innovators, Problem Solvers, and Customer Advocates. And we are so de delighted about this one because the journey began three years ago uh, where we got really curious because we were noticing a consistent pattern with our clients that mm -hmm. no matter what industry they were in, what, you know, what country they were in, we'd see this tension of frustration where senior leaders would be like, hey, why don't more people share ideas? Why don't more people speak up? Then we'd go in and do work at the front line of the organization and we'd hear things like, nobody wants my ideas. Last time I spoke up, I got in trouble. We thought, are you working for the same company? So we partnered with the University of North Colorado Social Research Lab on this uh, really extensive quantitative and qualitative research study to answer that question. And then to take that research of why people weren't speaking up and looking at the companies that where people were speaking up and then coming up with a very practical set of processes and tools to enable that to happen. So you could encourage more courage on your team. Oh no, that, that, that's invaluable. I don't know how many times I've been like, why didn't you guys tell me you had a problem? Why didn't, why didn't you tell me, communicate with me? I can help you fix it. We can solve it together. Um, and they're like, oh, I didn't think you'd listen. 
Mm. I'm, I'm like, well, okay, well, back up. Now we have a whole other problem besides your idea, right? Because A, <laughs> what part of the culture here makes you feel that I'm not going to listen to something that you have to say? I mean, isn't that not yeah. probably, isn't, isn't that the first hurdle that you have to get over in that space? It is. And what's interesting is that before the culture that you establish as a leader, people have their own psychology that they're bringing to the table. And the, the work of Dr. Amy Edmondson, who is a, a Harvard professor and a leader in psychological safety and all this was influential as we were grounding ourselves in the existing research. And she wrote the foreword to the book. But she talks about two elements that people are bringing to the table before you've had any interaction with them. The first is that we overweight past negative experiences. And so people have that tendency to think, you know, well, because I had somebody three years ago, five years ago, or, or six months ago, who didn't, wasn't receptive to their idea or their problem, or maybe you had a bad day, you know, like we all have those bad days and, and I wasn't as warm as I would have liked to have been. And so we overweight those things as human beings and tend to hang on to them. And then the flip side of that is that we also tend psychologically to underestimate the future benefit of a positive idea. So we're like, well, if I bring this up, is it really going to make a difference? Is it, am I really going to get benefit from it? And we tend to underweight that. So those two things going on in most human brains start before any leadership or culture has taken place. So every leader, we want to be aware of those so that we can start proactively building that culture. Doesn't mean you did anything, just means that's <laughs> the stuff people are bringing to the table. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and for my own particular use case, it just, it just, it, it took a, let's have a talk tomorrow when you, when you're not in the middle of working, like, you know, once you get done with all your stuff before you leave, you know, just come stop by my office. Let's have a chat for 10 minutes. Um, just cause I want to, I want to know where your head's at and I want you to know where my head's at. So, um, and that, and that 10 minutes was invaluable and it, it ended up not being a culture thing. It ended up being a psychology thing is what it ended up being. Um, and, and, and so we were able to break past that and now I get all kinds of ideas that I, that I, I just, take them all. And I go, thank you for the idea. You know, I'm going to talk about this with the rest of the senior leadership team and, you know, we'll see what happens. If it's something that directly impacts, you know, um, like I, I run an entire division of the company. If it's something that has to do with our day-to-day -day operations and it's uh, something that's more cost-effective or time efficient, I, I'm not going to go ask anybody for approval. I'm going to be like, that is great. If you want to implement that, go right ahead. Because I mean, one of the things I think leaders need to do sometimes is get out of their employees way because, you know, my way isn't necessarily the best way. I mean, for me as a leader, I want results. I want an end result. If your end result and my end result are exactly the same, it took us both the exact same amount of time to get there, but you just did it in a couple different steps or your orders of steps were slightly different. I mean, ultimately that's what's the important thing, right? Is did we execute what we needed to execute to keep our customer happy? Right. Because that's the bottom line. That's the end result. And I think a lot of leaders, they forget about that and they go, no, you're doing it wrong. Well, no, you're, they're not doing it the way that you're doing it. Um, but they're also not doing it wrong. Um, let, let's speak on that a little bit. You know, the, I want to go back to what you were saying earlier about just having that first conversation. Um, you know, the importance of taking initiative as a leader to say, you know, like when we have these conversations with leaders, about this work, frequently we'll hear somebody say, well, you know, I've got an open door. Everybody knows I'm open to ideas. There's a difference between that and proactively going out and asking and inviting feedback solutions, bringing up, hey, this is the problem that we have strategically. This is where we can most use a great idea and going out and, and specifically seeking that out. And so having those conversations is important because the reality is the best ideas aren't going to walk through that open door. 
you know, if someone needs to complain or, or talk about a, a real negative thing like harassment or some toxic thing that's going on, yeah, it's good to have an open door, but to advance your business and draw those best ideas and all the good thinking out of your people, that takes intentionality. And, you know, that's the, I think that's the starting switch that we want to flip to, to start taking those, those steps. Karen, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I, it's, you know, we have a seven step process that we take people through and it, it starts with navigating your own narrative. Like, do you really want to hear their ideas? Because sometimes people say, you know, actually, no, I don't. And then that, then a courageous culture isn't for you. Or what are you role modeling? Like, are they watching you speak up? Are you talking, you know, if you've got a boss, are you speaking up to the boss? Are you talking to the board? Are you, are you willing to talk to your suppliers and have truthful conversations? Or are you playing the political game? That's the first thing. So navigating the narrative, then cultivate, creating clarity about two things, not just that you you really want people's ideas, but what would a good idea accomplish? A lot of the times when people say, you know, my people just aren't that strategic, they don't have enough clarity to be strategic. You know, um, like, do they really know where you're headed? Then cultivating curiosity, that's where you deliberately go out and ask people for their ideas. And we've got tools to do that. But then responding with regard, letting people know what you did with their ideas. And that process is really, really critical. And then a couple of other elements. But finally, one is you know creating an infrastructure for courage, which means what are your HR systems and processes doing to things? What, how, are you asking for people for their ideas in the onboarding process? What is your, who are you rewarding? What are you rewarding? Who gets promoted around here? Is it the person who speaks up or is it the person who keeps their head down and do, does exactly what you tell them to do? Everybody is watching that and it all plays into creating a courageous culture. Yeah, no, that's very well said. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website. On schedule delivery. One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. SpaTree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. Back on the idea of 
ideas of employees bringing ideas to the table and and making sure that you're open for those. And I agree, having an open door policy is is one thing, but getting out of your chair and going out of your office and going to mingle with the other people who are you're working with and actually being there. Um, I even take it a step further. I'm gonna be like, hey, you know what? On Friday, we're gonna order some sandwiches. And I'm going to come hang out with you guys and we're going to chit chat, find out how your week's been going. Um, and I found that to be a very good tool just to open the door t- for, you know, the team to feel comfortable having conversations because some of my team are introvert. Some of them are extrovert. Some of my team, like, you know, they are here to do a job. They're not necessarily trying to make work friends, you know. Um, and so, you know, being able to kind of cultivate a team environment where it allows the introvert to be introverted, the extrovert to extrovert. Uh, but at the same time, to figure out a way where we can have, uh, you know, some sense of 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 team and some sense of uh, working together and togetherness. It's, it's a difficult thing to, to focus. And I think a lot of times, uh, you know, leaders when they're, you know, poised to try to get ideas from their people or to, um, to deliver stuff. I think sometimes leaders are afraid that if they allow their employees to speak up, well, maybe their ideas are going to be better than the leader's ideas. And then they're not going to have a job or they're not going to have a career anymore. I mean, how, how often are you guys seeing, you know, some of those stigmas getting in the way of, of leaders? You know what that was the most interesting, surprising statistic in our research? And it, when we were back on the keynote stage, it was the one where the audiences would go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so 57% said the reason they're not sharing an idea is because they don't think they'll get credit for it. And a lot of times, you know who was taking credit for it? The, Their boss. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so that's I mean that's a huge percentage and you know and seeing that resonate on the faces of the audience that it seems to be a very common experience for folks and so that's part of how, why you need to do training at every level of the business right you can't ignore the middle managers because if the executives want ideas but the middle managers are afraid to a not look good or or you know that that's where you've got to fix that challenge and make it safe and even encourage like I want a part of your job as middle manager is to be bringing me ideas from your teams and to share that and make that real. Yeah. If you're clear about what success looks like, that a successful leader in this organization is going to be one who is got that support and funnel of ideas flowing. We're not going to use them all. That's okay. But are we, are we cultivating it? Are we rewarding the act of sharing? Are we responding with regard and having those conversations? If that's what success looks like and that's what we hold people accountable for, then it will flow throughout the, the entire group. Where does all of that stuff start? That culture, that cultivation? Well, where, you know, it's, where, it's where interesting. We, uh, when we talk about a courageous culture and the, the definition of culture from Seth Godin, that people like us do things like this, that that's what culture is. So if a courageous culture is people like us raise our hand, speak up on behalf of the customer, solve problems and improve processes. If that's what it looks like, the reality is there's a paradox there and that it doesn't take, once you establish that, it doesn't take as much courage for any member of the group to raise their hand and say, Hey, I've got a thought, I've got an issue. I've got a problem that, that we need to address because that's what everyone does. So there's less risk in it if everyone else is doing it. But, why do we call it a courageous culture? Because somebody has to go first. So where does it start? Starts with you. You're the you're the one listening. You're the one leading your team. You're the one leading your company. Starts with you. 
And so as Karen was talking earlier about navigating the narrative and being the one to go first and have the appropriate level of vulnerability and willingness to hear ideas that may indeed tell you you're not doing as good a job as you could have been or advocating for your team with the board or with your boss in a way that is aligned with the strategy and with the values that the company purports. And and doing those things, when you do those things, that's the start. So, you know, part of what that can look like is just creating a specific space to let that happen. So one of the most popular programs we have been doing since the pandemic has been live online, where we'll work with a senior leader and we'll say, tell us your five strategic areas or three strategic areas. Just pick a couple of strategic areas where you really need great ideas. Let's be as specific as possible. And then we work with the teams and we teach them the tools. How do you own the ugly and brainstorm through? This is our idea model of how you vet a good idea. Here's how you make your case for your idea. So we're teaching the process, but they're working on real real strategic challenges. What is so interesting is that at the end of a couple of hours doing that, the ideas that come out are so fascinating. Like, wow, those ideas were clearly there all along. (laughs) All we taught was a process. We didn't teach them ideas. And so now they have these tools that they can do do quarterly or any time where they can go back and say, okay, you know where we need a new idea now? Here. Now just do this, follow the process. And, And so I think that's why it's, yes, it starts with a senior leader, but it's also empowering your team with more critical thinking skills and ways to do it so they feel confident. Like, so our idea model, why is this I idea interesting? D, doable, E, engaging, who would you engage? A, what are a couple of key next steps? Well, if you say, when you bring me an idea, bring it to me in that way, that's, now I'm bringing you better baked ideas. So I'm getting more confident that uh, to bring forward my ideas. Oh, I love that. That's great, good stuff. Uh, I, I, I love the whole acronym for idea that you just laid out for the listeners, that's, that's great. Um, let's see, we've got about, uh, oh, I don't know, about seven, eight minutes left here on the program. Um, you know, if if you guys were sitting in front of a brand new entrepreneur, a brand new CEO of a startup company who has the visions of, uh, you know, Facebook grandeur, let's say, uh, you know, gigantic tech company, um, but wants to make sure that to start their company off uh, with the right culture, the right leadership, uh, but this person's never been a leader before. They just have a great idea for a business. Um, where would you tell them to start their journey of making sure that they understand what true leadership is and being a leader before they step two feet into the entrepreneurial world? Because we know that gets crazy. I have, two, I have, I have two, <laughs> sort of the philosophical and the practical. So philosophically, you know, ground yourself in your values, have a, have a real clear vision of where you're headed and what you want to be. You know, and that's, there's a lot of good tools on how to ground entrepreneurs in that. And if you were trying, because we work with so many people Karen, like this, I just want to make money. I, I just, I just want to make money. I got great ideas. I just want to make money. This is what I would beg you to do. <laughs> Get a COO, <laughs> right? Because that I am, I, we have been working with so many people and they've got these, these, these ideas, but if they don't know how to lead, And even more importantly, they don't really want to lead. They don't want to manage people. They want to just go do the vision thing. Then they are not going to be effective leaders. And so, you know, who's doing this really well is when people can partner up and have a vision person with an ops person. And, you know, and I I just literally 
got off a phone call with somebody like this. And I'm like, you just need a COO. <laughs> Um, and if you're not sure, you know, w- we would recommend our book, Winning Well, A Manager's Guide to Getting Results Without Losing Your Soul. Like it is a soup to nuts resource for that management side of things and gives you the roadmap of what it looks like to take care of your people in a way that's going to help them take care of your vision and the, the work that you're trying to achieve. And then you can figure that out pretty quickly. Like, oh my goodness, I've got to stay here and I need somebody to do this. And you know, when you hit the right side, but factor that in, I totally agree with Karen, factor that into your business planning from the beginning. Yeah, no, that's, that's very well said. And I, I, I like what you said, Karen, about, uh, you know, that's where, you know, some of the best partnerships in business come is you have a visionary kind of person who's, you know, got this focus on what can be. And then you have this other person who's like, oh, those are great ideas. We got to get there. Uh, let, let, let's, let's build a foundation first. Let's, let's have some, you know, let, let's, let's put some concrete down before we start throwing bricks in the sky. <laughs> Uh, definitely. Yep. Oh, I love I love that. So um, what's on the horizon for for you guys? We're, you know, uh, listening to us today. It's Black Friday. Uh, we got about a month left of 2020. And I don't know. I don't know. I think I think that December 31st, 2020 is going to be like party central day, just like it was like December 31st, 1999, maybe um, just with so many people being excited about 2021. But what what's in store for your guys is 2021? Yeah, so we are definitely in that mode of scaling the business and figuring out how we can serve more people uh, without it just being totally reliant on us. So we've been spending a lot of time strategically bringing new, onboarding new team members, um, scaling the business, being able to deliver programs um, to a wider range of people and a wider range of needs. And from a uh, an IP standpoint of the work that we do, one of the the changes that's on the horizon is a lot more hybrid work situations so that you've got you know so many teams right now are, that have to be on site are but they're working in a, in a very tough situation then you've got a lot of folks who are remote and everything that we're seeing you know on the horizon looks like there's going to be a combination and so helping leaders to be able to navigate that is definitely going to be some of the challenge I think ahead for the workplace. And so we'll be there in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, on our website, we have a free remote teams resource center. So there's a lot of writing, a lot of research around all that. So if anybody wants to check that out, some tools that people can use if they're struggling with that right now. Yeah, and I would urge everybody, uh, listeners, make sure you guys go check out the website, letsgrowleaders.com. It, just the website in and of itself, not even getting into all of your programs, has a wealth of information on leadership stuff that you guys are just basically giving away for free, um, which I, th- I think is wonderful, which you know touts back to some stuff we kind of talked about earlier about servant leadership, right? It's uh, uh, you, you guys are showing your your true leadership nature by uh, you know allowing people to come to your platform and and you know uh, pick a few things out that they may need to know about and read before they get, you know, further engaged and down the, uh, you know, down the path of, of, of uh, you know, David and Karen's leadership training, uh, which I think is amazing. So kudos to you guys on that. Um, those are invaluable resources. And I would urge anybody who's looking for leadership training to go, uh, you know, check out your website. Um, where do people find you? I know I just left out the website, but what about social medias? I say social medias because there's like, I don't know, 2,700 of them. And they're apparently everybody's <laughs> leaving Facebook. 
Facebook and Twitter now to go to We Me or Parlor or some other stuff. I don't even know what's going on. We, we could be having a completely different conversation in a year from now about what social media sites people are on. It's just been a crazy year. <laughs> So, you know, the, the place that we show up the, the most and every day is LinkedIn. And so uh, that is a really good way to find us. I run a, on Fridays, I do a, a series called Asking for a Friend on Fridays at 1130. And you can come join us. And we talk about, sometimes I have guests, we talk about very practical tools. David has a podcast called Leadership Without Losing Your Soul podcast, which is also great. We all, And we have our blog, which is Let's Grow Leaders. Of course, we're on all the Instagram. My, my marketing person would say, please mention you're on Instagram. So people will follow you there. But, um, you know, we're, we try to we try to show up um, a lot. And uh, but, you know, anything you can find at all paths come in through our Let's Grow Leaders website. And you can find everything else where we are from there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me on Finding Your Frequency. Karen, David, you guys are wonderful guests. I appreciate everything that you guys do. Um, from one from one leader to another, thank you for guys uh, for, for what you guys are putting out into the world. Um, you guys who are listening, Courageous Cultures, Karen Hurt, David Dye, go check out the book. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. Uh, you can find it anywhere books are sold. Um, so make sure you guys go get out there, buy yourself a copy, get ready for 2021. Get, I mean, what what else, what else are you gonna do? You know, you're gonna be at home, you ain't nothing to do, you ain't going nowhere. You're not going to, you know, I don't know how many people were at your Thanksgiving Day festival yesterday, but there's only going to be about six at mine. You know, I don't even know what we're doing for Christmas yet. Um, I'm definitely not traveling. I can tell you that much. So what better time to brush up on your leadership development skills and go read a couple of books, get ready for 2021, right? Perfect. Love it. Awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency right here on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We bring you brand new episodes every Friday at 12 o'clock Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern. And then, of course, you can listen to all the episodes on any of the podcast distribution outlets that are out there. And if you're listening to us on one of those and not on voiceamerica.com, that's okay. I'm not mad at you. You can listen to whatever you want. Uh, but if you're listening on iTunes or TuneIn, Stitch or any of those places, uh, Spotify, please make sure to give us five stars instead of four because I believe we're five-star human beings. We deserve that. And uh, you know, got to get those rankings up there and you got to get more people listening to the show. Uh, we appreciate you guys for listening to the show. And because it's our, our Thanksgiving Day special, again, I want to say thank you uh, to our guests for being on. And again, Thank you to all the listeners uh, for five years of talk radio programming and you guys following us all over heck and back and still being there uh, during the uh, 2020 pandemic because I know a lot of you guys aren't driving anymore. So a lot of you guys were listening uh, as you commuted back and forth to work. Uh, and so it's nice to see that everybody's finding new listening habits uh, as we manage all of this uh, this, this new stuff that we're dealing with. Uh, and again, I want to thank David and Karen for being on the program and make sure you guys tune in next week right here on Finding the Frequency.